Welcome to today's episode of Beyond the Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Hernandez, and comedic relief is provided by my co-host, Jeremy Arnst. If you have not yet done so, please click that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Since we have so many unique and informative guests on our show, we would really like to reach as many people as possible. The more this podcast gets shared by humans like yourself, the more we can make that happen. Also, if you have time to write us a review on any of the platforms our podcast plays on, we would greatly appreciate it. Jeremy and I got to sit down and chat with professional rock climber Sierra Blair Coyle out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Sierra made it acutely clear that climbing is her number one, and you can see that for yourself if you visit her social media pages, her website, or any publication or video she's been featured in. Sierra gave us the inside scoop on topics like professional competitive rock climbing, what to do when a climbing partner bails, and how to gain support for climbing if your family and friends might not be there for you. Sierra is not just a fiercely talented athlete. She is a positive and grateful human being who also has a great outlook on life. Check it out for yourself. How you doing, Sierra? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Rocking and rolling. <laughs> Jeremy's favorite Emily's, Emily's favorite saying is rocking and rolling. I'm so corny. It's not a bad favorite saying to have. It's pretty good. <laughs> are you in Arizona right now, currently? I am, yeah. I'm in Scottsdale. Um, I'm about to head out of town in about a week and a half, though, so enjoying my last few days here. Lovely. You're out in Salt Lake City training, right? Yeah, I was there for a month, and then I'm about to go back for a little bit of time. It's kind of undecided the amount of time right now, but yeah, I'm really excited about it. I can imagine. Um, do you mind just introducing yourself to our audience and sharing what it is you've been doing for the majority of your life? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, everyone. My name is Sierra Blur Coyle, and I'm a professional rock climber from Scottsdale, Arizona. I got my start when I was eight years old and turned professional when I was 14, and really, that's what I've been doing ever since. Oh, I'm 26 now to give you guys some math. So it's literally been forever. We just go through the rest of your, um, your uh, was it Monday or Tuesday questions? Oh, like, yeah. How, My how tall are you? What do you weigh? Yeah. Let's hear the deets. I yeah, never... I'll give you guys all the juicy things. My wings. I was going to say, I want to know your wingspan. I want to know your grip strength. <laughs> You, you've been doing your weekly Q&As for, what, eight years now? Yeah, I started in 2012. Um, people on Tumblr would ask me questions kind of throughout the week, and I would answer them throughout the week, and then I decided, let's just put them all on one day to make my life easier. And, yeah, that's kind of how it turned into, I guess, asking me whatever you want on Tuesdays. So I wonder how many times you've been asked how tall you are. At least 6,000. <laughs> and on that subject, how's your hubby doing? Oh, you know what? He's so great. He helped me get this Zoom call set up, you know, really just shout out to the fake husband and I appreciate you. <laughs> so how'd that whole thing get started? I mean, I was there when it happened. Hold but... on a minute. Oh, yeah. Fake husband, Zoom, what's going on? <laughs> oh, the fake husband story. You can actually see the first one in my highlights on Instagram if anyone's interested, but someone asked me a question and it probably said something like, is your husband a climber or, you know, something basically assuming I was married. And usually I just answer it back privately and I'm like, I'm not married. Um, but this time I decided it'd be funny to make a joke out of it. So I responded to it publicly 
And I said, oh, wow, I'm so excited to learn that I'm married. This is so exciting. I can't wait to meet him. And then the internet being awesome, caught on to this joke and started just asking me really funny questions about my husband, you know, like, oh, what does he look like? What does he do for work? And I was just answering them and being really funny about all of them, I like to think. So yeah, the husband joke has been living on for quite some time now. He has a whole backstory. He climbs V20. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm stunned. I mean, (laughs) yeah, he's he's a pretty great guy. I don't I mean, just renders me speechless. He he buys you Birkin bags, right? He does, yes. And I think that's what makes it even funnier, too, is because I try and answer everything like as outrageous as possible. You know, people be like, oh, what's the best thing he cooks for dinner? I'm like, everything he cooks for dinner is great because there's nothing he can't do. And people like believe it. I'm like, whoa, guys, this is like clearly a joke in all of these. So that keeps me entertained. And I have to, do you think that has any potential consequence in your dating life that maybe, um, future partner may be detoured from this rumor? I mean, I'm just trying to set the bar high for them, I think. So if they're deterred Amen. by it, you know, they just not are not deserving. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time with us today. I, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I know that COVID has given us quite a unique schedule. Oh, so yeah. I'm kind of curious. What was a day in your life pre-COVID? Uh, comp season and off season. Mm-hmm. What did that look like? Okay. So when I'm not, conf- well, I guess here's the thing that's kind of weird about climbing is competitions are year round. So I never really have like an off season or downtime, but when I'm in town, the schedule is kind of wake up, breakfast, uh, work out at home, usually camp scene or strength training, hang out here for a few hours, go swimming in the summer, eat lunch, go to the climbing gym, whether it's at my house or public climbing gym, come home, eat dinner, go to bed, repeat the next day. Um, And then I guess the biggest change for me was not being able to travel and go to competitions because, yeah, I mean, I haven't flown since early February, I guess, which is crazy. Because your life has revolved pretty much around competition, climbing and traveling all over. Yeah, it has. And it, I mean, I had a lot of cool trips planned, which is, I mean, this whole situation's a bummer, you know, it goes without saying, but yeah. And also just it lasting so long, you know, I think that's the one thing, like it was weird to wrap your head around at first, but now you're like, this has been going on for a long time. And I've, I'm, a, I'm pretty sure it's going to keep going on for longer. So. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. We, yeah, we started that conversation early and this podcast as well, early in March. And that was the theory that we were kind of running with. I know everyone was really hopeful. And since this has been such an interesting time um, with the back and forth, Jeremy has consistently said and agreed that, yeah, this is, this is going yard. The latest thing I've heard is even though if we get the vaccine by the end of this year, there won't be enough to disperse to everybody in the United States. Mm-hmm. Enough people in the United States until Q2 or Q3 next year. So we're going to be wearing masks for a while. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's a long, we're going to be a long haul. Yeah. But so, Sierra, what do you think you've, you've lost and gained in this time? We're all trying to kind of see the silver lining and we try to see this positive take on things. So, out of curiosity, besides your, your travel and your schedule mm-hmm. and your, uh, original lifestyle. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously I've been lucky in the situation I'm in, you know, I've very financially stable. I've been able to climb the entire time. No one's been sick. Um, all of my friends have remained employed, you know, so I've really been very unaffected in those aspects. I'd say other than the competitions, the one thing that I've lost, and I didn't even know it was going to bug me, but I always say I'm a hermit. Like I love to be myself. I love to go home. I love to watch TV. Um, and I've been saying that for a long time, but man, after just a few months of this, I was like, I just want to go like be around people. I just want to be in a crowd. You know, I'm like, I just, I also don't stay up late, but I was like, I just want to go to a bar and stay till close, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's kind of what I've lost, but obviously not that huge in the scheme of things. And then for what I've gained, it's been a lot of good training time, which is nice because when you're competing so much, it's really hard to want to like fully break your body down in between competitions. You know, you're always trying to maintain. So that's been good. And I've also been doing more route setting at my home gym and I've, you know, like really appreciated feeling more confident in my setting because I used to just be like pretty embarrassed about what I'd put up, you know, it would take me a while and I wasn't sure. And now um, I'll set stuff and I just don't even for it. I'm like, it's going to be fine. It'll be fine. We'll have fun. I'll like maybe tweak it later. We're just going to deal with it. So that's been cool to learn how to set more. I'm in the same boat. I'm pretty much a hermit, but even after three or four months, I'm like, I just want to see people. I, it's so weird. You're like, oh, I just, someone that isn't in your direct household, you're like, I, I just love to see like anyone. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I told you, yeah, I told my fiance, I said, oh, I love you so much, but it's been really nice to see other people in the <laughs> world. I, um, my, uh, one of my, my good friend, Walter, who I started climbing with comes over on Saturdays now and we climb on my home wall. And every time nice. he leaves, I'm just like, oh, that's the last non-person in my household I'm going to see all week. Yeah. So it's a little sad. Um, you know, Sierra, when I was, so, so you're new to me. And um, okay. I'm, I started following you because uh, Jeremy um, told me about you. And mm. I was looking at your website and I was listening to some interviews. Excuse me, I was watching them. And you cool. interview so well and you have a great presence to you. And one of the things that really struck me is, is the emphasis on how supportive your family has been mm. throughout your time climbing. Yeah. And out of curiosity, what advice do you have for individuals who are looking to get into climbing and who may not have that kind of support or whose family just thinks this is so wacky and just mm -hmm. awful? And why would you even think to do that? What kind of advice do you have for them? Where could they find that support? Yeah, that's such a great question. I mean, I think it varies a little bit based on how old you are, right? You know, when you're younger, sometimes it's going to be harder to do things that your you know family doesn't approve of, especially, you know, if they won't drive you to the climbing gym or something like that. But for anyone who has like some autonomy on what they can do, I think climbing isn't a harmful activity. Um, it's not dangerous when it's done safely. And so I think educating, you know, if your family's against educating them on that, and then ultimately just kind of following your own heart with it. And the one thing that I think most people can agree with in climbing is the climbing community is pretty supportive and the climbing gym in general, you know, people are, usually more than willing to offer help. And I think too, some climbing gyms have different vibes, you know, here yeah. they do. Um, they're all supportive, but I could see different people fitting in better in one gym than the other. So if you have the option to try a few, 
do that and maybe see like where you fit in more, where you can find some friends and, you know, hopefully that makes your experience as positive as possible. In, in regards to virtual support and excuse me, I'm sorry, that was a great answer. Great answer. Um, <laughs> in regards to, you know, virtual support, uh, you know, on YouTube or uh, on the interwebs, uh, wh where do you recommend they start to discover the true process of climbing? Oh, that's such a great question. I think it's going to be a little different for every person, but maybe just start looking through the climbing hashtags on Instagram and see what people you can find, see what people resonate with you. And I mean, I know just from watching videos of cool boulder problems, regardless of who's on them, like that gets me excited and that gets me motivated. So yeah, just look around, see who kind of motivates you. It's going to be a little different for every person and yeah, that should help. I really like that. And I'm going to also comment on one more thing. And I promise Jeremy, you can talk to her is that one thing I often say when people are getting exposed to climbing or when I'm trying to describe a route that I really enjoy, I'm like, this route has a great personality. When you say that as well, what are you describing when the route has a great personality? Oof. I usually call routes. I mean, obviously I mostly gym climbs. This is no surprise, but our Fort route is like a five-star. I'm like, that's a five-star guys. And, uh, that's like the joke I make a lot of the time too, to people like, they'll tell me like, Oh, you should try this boulder. I'm like five stars only guys, five stars only. So. <laughs> All right. Super so you, you said you turned pro when you were 14 and I'm guessing that just means it's when you got sponsors, right? Um, is there a point point where you make the decision to be a comp climber as opposed to, I guess, other pro climbers who are mainly like outdoor climbers? Yeah. So I actually, I had sponsors before I turned 14. I got my first sponsor when I was 10. And um, wow. I think my first sponsor started paying me for incentives when I was 11. So what I considered turning pro is when I made finals at a professional competition for the first time. And that's one of the things that's so hard with climbing is it's not, you know, like a big four sport where like once you're in the NBA, like I guess even they have um, other like leagues that would also be considered pro, but there's no like distinct line, I guess is what I'm saying is when you become a pro. Um, and then I just blanked on the second part of your question. Oh, I'm just saying, is there, is there a point where you make a decision as a pro to do mainly comps or to start doing, I, I mean, I don't even know. We don't know anything about no, like You know, when, <laughs> When you're a pro climber, but you just yeah. climb outside, you know, there's obviously there's pro climbers that almost solely do competitions and there's some that shoot videos of them climbing outside. Yeah. I mean, I think the process would be different for everyone. Uh, so I'm just going to speak in some like generalizations I've noticed here. Sometimes when people decide they just want to climb outside, it's because maybe they grew up comp climbing and climbing outside. And then they just decide climbing outside is for me, like more so that's the path I really want to pursue. Um, or in my case, I mean, I still like to climb outside and I like to climb hard outside, but, um, I've always performed better in competitions when I'm training inside. So that's why I've not prioritized outside as much. So for me, it wasn't like a hard decision. It was just trying to do the best for my comp climbing. Um, and then obviously you have people who climb hard inside and climb hard outside. So that's kind of cool that it can be across the board. For sure. Is it ever overwhelming to have so many cameras on you during comps and during, um, you know, just any kind of uh, attention that you're getting for your job? 
I don't think so. Um, I've, you know, just been competing for so long. And honestly, when I was younger, I was always excited to, you know, like be in the spotlight and like make finals and that always yeah. excited me. So I think I'm just used to it. And I think also I've had like a pretty cool head in comps and things. So I'm never, I guess, like doing anything that I wouldn't want someone to catch on camera. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, it's not like a big deal. Um, I was just focus on my climbing and have a good time. And, uh, the one thing that is funny though, is when you see the pictures afterwards from the competitions or even climbing outside, just some of the faces I make, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like <laughs> that's brutal. Try hard <laughs> like, faces are the best. They yeah. really are. Or when you get like the half eye roll that like, oh. <laughs> like did you have to capture that? <laughs> so, uh, few years ago, um, I was at the rock rodeo and I think Alex Puccio and, Michaela Karish and Paige Clawson were climbing, like we were climbing on the same mountain, even though I was in the beginner group and just constant, you know, cameras going off and people obviously stopping and watching them climb. Um, is it ever weird? Like when you're in the gym, do people stop and watch, you like, you notice people like staring and climbing, watching you climb or. It happens a little bit. Uh, it's usually not too often or people are like sneakier about it, but it's really, <laughs> I don't know, I'm usually in the gym like pretty focused on what I'm doing or if I'm there with my friends, I'm pretty focused on, you know, just talking to them and being goofy. So yeah, it's not too bad, honestly. A few years ago, Margot Hayes was in the gym for a comp and she was doing like a, a, a girl's uh, um, training. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was at the gym just climbing and I was like, is that Margot Hayes? And then, so I was like kind of staring at her trying to recognize who she was. And then she looked at me. I'm like, oh, I'm not being weird. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> Sorry. I'm not, I didn't mean to stare. Um, so speak, speaking of international climbing, I guess we're kind of speaking of that. Can you spill some tea on IFC climbing or climbing competitions in general? What goes on behind the scenes? Like, what do you guys want to know? I don't know. Juicy stuff. I don't know. Um, you're probably not going to tell me the juicy stuff. I don't but know what I don't what, want to know. <laughs> what's, what's one thing that the viewers or us climbers at home watching wouldn't know is going on behind the scenes? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Someone in isolation always has like a ball of some sort, like someone has a soccer ball or a volleyball, um, which sometimes it works in isolation because you might have ISO on like a basketball court. So there's like tons of space, but other times it's smaller. So that's kind of a funny thing that I can think of. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, this is, okay. This is actually pretty funny. So you know how like in the climbing gym, you would never climb over anyone under any circumstances and you'd never like be right up in someone's space. Yeah, that doesn't apply in World Cup. So everyone's like all over the place. And it's like, you'll see people do these big moves and almost kick someone like in the face and everyone's just like learned how to work around each other and, you know, not have it be an issue. Oh, wow. just, just to get warmed up. Everybody wants yeah. to on the wall. Um, the personal chef in me wants to know what the food scene looks like with all of these competitions. Um, I have some friends who are professional musicians and mm-hmm. they've taken me backstage, uh, to check out their setup. Cause I'm always curious. They have, you know, buffets and private service. Uh, what does it look like for you? It depends on the competition. Uh, they always have like some sort of food and drinks, uh, definitely water. They're pretty like adamant about having coffee too. Uh, that makes everyone sad when coffee's not there. Um, <laughs> I would say Munich has the best like food setup. They have crazy like pastries and sandwiches and yogurt and fruit and just tons of things. So that's the ISO you want to be in if you want to eat something. Um, 
but yeah, other than that, it's no matter what, they'll have like water and some fruit. That's kind of like the bare minimum. Okay. And, ha- right. and how was common being a commentator? It was cool. Um, I had a lot of fun. It's kind of hard to know what to say. I think I would do a lot better now at it. Um, also Charlie Bosco does like all of the heavy lifting and he does a good job at like talking and commenting and asking you questions so you can comment. So yeah, he does a fantastic job. Excellent. So I saw your feature on health magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely, lovely cover, lovely feature. And I'm just curious about the process for that with, with publications like that as a professional, are they reaching out to you? Do you have a management team? Are you reaching out to them? Um, That's my first part of the question. And my second part is how the editorial and photo process went. Like how much choice do you have kind of deal? So let's see a couple answers to this question. Um, A while ago, my dad was a little bit more involved in managing. He would negotiate my contracts because I didn't feel comfortable with it, but um, I was more or less the one driving the bus. I just wasn't the one having the conversation. And so for some publications that I've been in, I've literally just emailed them and said like, Hey, I think I'd be like fun to feature, you know, this is what I do. So I've like reached out to places and then they've reached out to me as far as how much control I have over shoots. It just kind of depends on what the shoot is. But as I've like gotten older, I'm definitely like more vocal about what I like and what I don't like. Um, you know, sometimes like they're going for a really specific look and you might not like it a ton, but you're kind of like, all right, well, this is what it is. But other times they're like open to your input, which is really nice. Um, also sometimes for shoots, I get to choose like my own photographer and like hair and makeup. And that's the best. Cause you know, I have people that I want to work with, yeah. that I'm used to working with. So I just try and choose them when I can. Yeah, that's super great. And have you ever looked at photos and thought that is so over edited that, I mean, I guess, let me, excuse me, let me rephrase that question. Mm-hmm. When you look at your photos, are you happy with the edits or do you think that they're not um, reflecting how you look or what style you're trying to go for? I'm generally really happy with the editing. Uh, sometimes I wish they would edit photos more just because it'll be these kind of like weird imperfections that aren't, they might not even have anything to do with kind of like your face and body, but it'll be like your shirt's just kind of crinkled weird. And you're like, this photo looks so much better if you could just like smooth out that wrinkle, you know? Um, I think the one thing that's important for people to understand about like photo shoots and things is number one, if you're doing like a full photo shoot where you have like hair and makeup, like your hair and makeup for a photo shoot is so different than like what you'd ever wear is your most glamorous everyday hair and makeup like it's made for the photo shoot. And then you have like the best lighting that's being manipulated. And you know, the photographers are obviously manipulating the angles, they're manipulating you and the way you look. So everything is like maximized to look the best. And then in my opinion, a good edit is just kind of like glosses over it, you know, just makes it um, in its most like pristine condition. And I guess I've also just never had anything that I thought didn't really look like me, you know, but I think sometimes when people think of Photoshop, they just think like, oh, like you take a picture and you look one way and then they edit it and you look, you know, a hundred percent different. It's like, no, you already looked 98% that way. And then they just glossed over it a little bit to make it perfect. Okay. Thanks. I was always curious. Yeah. (laughs) So did you enjoy uh, the the editorial? Did you enjoy the write-up? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, everything I've been interviewed for, I've I think I don't think there's anything I can think of that I haven't been excited about. 
And my last question for this, and again, I'm sorry mm. for bogarting the microphone. Um, do you ever feel like you get asked questions? I mean, obviously I know we are women, um, but do mm. you ever feel that you're getting kind of the same question that only women would get and they wouldn't ask that same question to men? You know, so off the top of my head, there aren't many questions I can think of that are directed at me that aren't directed towards men. Um, but I could definitely just be spacing out on this as well. But yeah, nothing comes to top of mind. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just curious. Just curious. So this is not my question, but I asked some of my friends if they had any questions for you. And one of my cool. friends wanted to know, because you do modeling and climbing, does your training, does modeling ever influence how you're training? Are you ever worried about how your training for climbing makes you look for modeling or, or is that not, not an issue for you? No, it's not an issue for me. I think well, number one, climbing is my number one. So that's kind of the priority um, over everything. And it definitely uh, pays the bills more than modeling, so to speak. So it also would win in that aspect. But yeah, I'm not too conscious of it. But I also, I'm just not a big, like muscly person by nature, like no matter how much I'm like, I'm always trying to gain strength and muscles. And yeah, it's just uh, a slow process. <laughs> Fair enough. You ever worried? I mean, I guess they can fix this with Photoshop. You ever worried? Like, I don't know. Climbers I know are like, their shins are bruised up. To, oh, oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> no, yeah. That's definitely stuff that gets edited out is like my, my bruised <laughs> shins. Yeah. I'll like walk in with like a gash down my leg. And yeah, that probably doesn't make it into the final edit. I actually have like kind of a funny story about this. Um, I was doing a photo shoot when I was with Roxy in Hawaii. And uh, we were deep water soloing, but I'd never deep water soloed before. So I jumped off the top of the cliff to make sure I was okay with the height and I like landed wrong and um like just put a bunch of ribs out just like wrecked myself but anyway I had these big bruises all up like my you know the back of my legs and my butt and my lower back and they didn't really show up the first day but the second day and we were still shooting it, they looked like horrible and I was climbing in the sports bra and shorts you know and yeah those definitely got edited out but I have pictures without them and it just looks heinous Speaking of deep water soloing, when did you start? So the first time I went was in 2013 in Maui. What a lovely place to start. Excellent. When did you get your boat? I got my boat in 2016 and I actually didn't use it until this summer, which is so lame, but um, I love the boat. I'm assuming deep water soloing is the best way to climb in Arizona in the middle of the summer. Oh yeah. I mean, the weather out there is so nice. Even on days where the air is like, you know, a hundred, the water, it just always stays like cold. Like last time I went, we were sitting in the boat in the sun and we were all shivering, you know? No, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't know. It was 80 today. I thought it was cold. There was, a there was a chill in the air this morning uh, that I run a group called the Texas Lady Crushers and we collaborated with cool. a guiding company and the weather was perfect. It got to 57 this morning <laughs> and I think it was like a high of 86 or something it was yeah. divine it's one of those days in Texas when it's hot in the sun but then the breeze hits you and it's like mm -hmm. 20 degrees cooler and you're like oh yeah this is perfect you guys wish... seem like you've had a pretty warm and humid summer too so oh, every yeah. it's, it's kind of dangerous I mean I know you you experience a dry heat over there yeah. this humidity is just kind of disgusting yeah <laughs> you shower and you go outside and then you're like ah. did I people like get dehydrated a lot oh, in the yeah. 
Okay. I so mean, we, I assumed, but I didn't totally know. The, the issue that a lot of people have is not being hydrated in the first place. Yeah. And then they either go do a lot of drinking mm-hmm. outdoors. And so mm-hmm. you not only have something that is dehydrating you, but also the weather is making you hot. Yeah. Um, and then they just don't drink enough water. Yeah. Um, it's pretty brutal. That's the one thing I notice whenever I have friends from other states come visit Arizona. Like, I'll notice how much water they're drinking throughout the day, and I'll be like, "Hey, have, like, how much water have you had today? I think you should have some. It's pretty hot out, you know." And this is even without people drinking, just like normal day. Like, mm-hmm. you need to drink more here, you know. Like, you have to stay hydrated. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I was just talking to a friend of mine about. Um, she's from San Antonio. She's going to come climb with us here in Austin, and every time I climb with her, she never brings water. And I was like, okay, so do I, not, do I need to bring water with me for you when you come? And she goes, no, I've been doing a really good job about bringing water with me. And I'm like, great. She's like, I bring a whole 16 ounces. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, that would stress I, me out so much. I, I climb with a bunch of people. Like I'm 44, almost 45 now. And I climb with people in their late 20s and early 30s. And they forget everything. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't read emails. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, they don't return text messages. That's the, that's the thing, right? Um, but yeah, so I have to be the dad of the group and bring extra water and extra food and all that. Yep. I'm kind of the mama bear. I like to bring a little miniature ice chest. And so afterwards I'm like, I don't drink alcohol. So I'm always like, I have carbonated water and the <laughs> Wait, look what I'm drinking right now. I have a Waterloo. <laughs> Waterloo. Nice. Yeah. I'm switching between Waterloo and hot tea because my voice always gets like froggy during interviews. <laughs> oh man so how's the new house coming along it's good still don't live there yet but it's great (laughs) um (laughs) it's fully furnished and everything you just gotta move you just gotta move your stuff over there i have a lot of my things over there Uh, i was gonna move in much earlier initially but i closed on my house i think april 7th or something so kind of like a couple weeks after you know all the covid stuff had gotten crazy um, and then I just was kind of in and out of town going to Utah. The gyms in Arizona were opening and closing because like all the regulations were changing all the time. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to stay close to like my home gym to train. Um, and because we have like workout equipment here as well, because otherwise, I mean, it's only a 20 minute drive from my condo to this house, but just trying to save myself some time and, you know, I don't know, it's helpful for the cats as well. I don't want to uproot them too much. Makes sense. And then eventually we're going to get the house tour, right? Yeah, eventually. It's also, it's getting more put together. The thing that's really griping me right now is um, I'm only planning on having one TV, like in the family room, you know, in the main area. So they have TV stands in all three of the bedrooms. So I have to take them out and patch them and paint them. And I'm like, I can't let people see this. It looks so incomplete right now. (laughs) So you're, you're posting all your art, new artwork today, or I don't know, maybe it's not new, but hung on the walls oh. at least. Well, yes, it is new. I actually got it a few days earlier this week. Um, there's this, I mean, she's a great woman. I've known her for a long time. Her name is Biz Dunlop and yeah, she's an artist and a climber and um, yeah, somehow we just got to talking and I was like, yeah, one day I want to buy some art from you. And she was like, no, I'd love to gift you some art. I was like, wow. So yeah, she gave me two pieces. Uh, one of them is like her glass work that she does, which is pretty crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, the second one is a watercolor. 
And then she also had this antique chair that was embroidered by her mom or her grandma. She's not totally sure, but she was like, hey, no one in the family really wants it. You know, do you want it? And I was like, yeah, this is beautiful. So, and it paired really well with the watercolor, which I didn't realize until I like had set the chair up and placed the watercolor next to it. So that was cool. Yeah, it it looked really cool. I was like, oh, she's got a weird mix of like modern art and contemporary (laughs) furniture. Yeah. That's the one thing I've tried to do with the condo is I'm trying to make it so whatever I like fits in there. Like, I don't like it when things clash, but I also don't want everything to be like stuck in only one style. So that's what I'm trying hard to achieve. So I meant to ask you earlier when we were uh, chatting about climbing uh, one of the times, do you have kind of like a team in regards to nutrition, dietitian, coach? Uh, what is what does all that look like for you? Or is it all just your hard work? I mean, I would say it's about almost all me, but I grew up with like pretty health conscious parents. Um, My mom's pretty knowledgeable on just like nutrition and has done a lot of research on it herself. I also have uh, some great doctors as well who've, you know, just given me some input on different things. And then as far as coaching, I basically haven't had a coach since I was probably 14. So I've been on my own for 12 years. And uh, when I go to Salt Lake, though, the U.S. team coach, Josh Larson, is basically in charge of me, which I love because I get along with Josh. I work really well with him and respect him so much. And he's a great coach. So that's nice for me to have that taken off of my shoulders when I'm there. Nice. Cool. So you're in the spotlight. You're a professional. You have a great social media following. Do you ever feel that people are um, observing you incorrectly? Do you ever feel that people see you in a light that you are not trying to reflect? Or I guess being in, I've never been in the spotlight. So um, I always just try to imagine the stress or the turmoil that um, just how rampant social media can kind of take you down by, I mean, just the way you look, what you wear, what you said, how your voice sounded. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me about that? Yeah, I guess it's a hard thing for me to judge because at least right now, I don't hear a lot of feedback on what people think about me other than people who are actually directly messaging me and things. Um, So for every like, you know, few hundred positive messages, you'll have someone saying something negative. So it's not a huge deal. Um, I always try and really portray who I am, you know, in my social media. Obviously, there are areas of my life I keep private, like my husband, but... (laughs) You know, I just try and be like very true to myself. And uh, I think I do a good job reflecting that. Um, I should probably ask some of my friends if I do, because they could give me a better uh, input. You know, the friends that I didn't meet until like the past year. So I'll be like, so what do you think before? I need to know. Yeah. And, and what, would, what would you say or encourage people who do get taken down by that one negative comment? Because it, it is easy and sometimes it really does sting. Do you have any, mm-hmm. anything to help shift that mindset that you could recommend? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it says so much more about the person saying the negative thing than it does about you. And yeah, negative comments used to really get me. But at the end of the day, it's like, who goes out of their time to say something mean to you? Exactly. You know, like that person is not a good person. Do you feel that it, it is a source of insecurity in that human that they are projecting onto the other person? Is that where you think it stems from? I think sometimes it can be insecurity. Uh, I think sometimes people are just jerks. You know, like I... I really don't say mean things to people, so I don't even know like where it comes from, but 
you know, I'm like, it's not that hard if you have something nasty to say to keep it to yourself. I think it's just, yeah, <laughs> I don't want, I'm going to say something. Uh, never mind. Um, Come on, Jeremy. <laughs> I think it's people yeah, with, pri with, with, with private accounts. That's my, that's every, every oh, person yeah. that says something mean to me that's a private account. So I can't even go and like at least privately judge them. Yeah. <laughs> and like Sarah said, it just, it just blows my mind that you're going to take your time and spend it on me talking trash. And what is that doing for you? Exactly. I just, I just don't understand. Um, but I do remember. Yeah. And, and I mean, still, if people say things that are, you know, hurtful or judgmental, it is, I think just a natural human tendency for at first to be like, ah. yeah. And it's like, it's so unfortunate. That's everyone's first reaction is to be like hurt or a little sad or, you know, like, I feel like even when things, you know, happen in an actual person to person interactions where someone's clearly in the wrong, like you feel bad, but in your head, you're like, but I, I'm not wrong. Like they did the mean thing. So why am I upset about this? But I just don't think anyone likes to be around that negativity. Yeah, definitely not. Have you ever cut toxic people or, um, out of, out of your life friends or um, maybe people who you used to climb with? Have you ever had to do that in your life because of that negativity issue? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think just like anyone else, you know, people are in your life for, a, however long a period of time they're going to be in your life, you know? And, um, for me at this point in my life, you know, I only want people who are going to make my life easier and not harder. So I have a pretty, um, short range for what I accept from people, you know, and any time someone goes beyond that range, I'm just like, you know what, it's just not worth it because, um, you know, you give someone an inch, they take a mile. Very true. Do you believe that sometimes if you're dealing with someone who you're considering not having in your life anymore that you just wake up one day and just think I'm done. I think that happens or for me, I'm kind of the straw that broke the camel's back person. Uh, I try and like weed people out, you know, early on if I can, but sometimes there might be like a little thing here and a little thing there. And I'm like, Oh, I know they're like this. Okay. Whatever. But then there's always like one thing that happens and I'm like, you know what? Done. You know, it's just not <laughs> worth it. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to dig up an old question that we haven't asked somebody in a long time. Uh-oh. How do you feel when you have climbing plans with someone and they bail on you? Maybe this doesn't happen to you, but. Wait, you know. how, like. How do you feel? Like, soon you, you are have, we talking, do they bail? Do they just not show up to go climbing or? No, like you, you it's like Friday and you're going to climb on Saturday and they're like, sorry, man, I got to go do something else. Oof. I mean, I personally am, I'm not a failure unless I'm like going to die, you know, like I've done a lot of, I've stuck to a lot of commitments. I don't want to stick to because I'd committed to them. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think it's a, uh, it's disrespectful unless you have, you know, something like going on, you know, someone, you know, if someone makes plans with me, like I blocked off my day to do it, you know, like why is my time not important? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a good question to ask people in climbing. I think this says a lot about people. It does. Yeah. And well, you have integrity, which is why I believe you said that you stick to your plans. Mm -hmm. And um, it, in general, we get one of two answers and one of them is mine, which is burn it down. Like <laughs> for at least five minutes, I don't want anything to do with that person ever again. Yeah. And then there's other people like who are super chill about it. Like, Hey, I'm just going to go climb on my own. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to train. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm just not that guy. I'm just like, 
screw you. I'm going taking my toys and going somewhere else. I but actually I- have one of my uh, climbing friends here. He will set up climbing sessions. Like it's never climbing outside. So luckily it's not as big of an inconvenience, but he'll be like, okay, like let's climb tomorrow at 5 PM at 4 55 PM. He will text me and be like, Hey, I'm not going to make the sesh today. And so now I just, whenever I make plans with him, I'm like, all right, I'm, this is the time I'm hard starting my session. Whether you show up or not has no effect on me, you know, like I'm happy when he's there, yeah. but kind of like, all right, oh, well. It's a little bit easier when you're climbing the gym. Like when you're expecting someone to spot you or belay you when you're climbing outside, oh, yeah. it's, it's a bigger deal. Yeah, yeah it definitely is. Um, a question that I like to ask and uh, that does ha- show up a lot on here is what observations and preconceived notions do you think the general public has about rock climbers? Like, what do you think they have just like all wrong? (laughs) I mean, obviously anything to do with free solo, like everyone thinks that everyone free solos. um, (laughs) Thanks, Alex. Yeah, that, or also like, are you going to climb Mount Everest? I'm like, oh, that's not, not what I do. That's one of my coworkers. When I told my, my, my people I work with, you know, what I do, and they're like, oh, so is the, he goes, so the plan to climb Everest? And I'm like, things I climb are so much smaller. Mm-hmm. Like you could walk around them really easily if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we got the free solo thing. What other misconceptions do you think people have when? Okay. So free solo, Mount Everest. I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously like, oh, that's really dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. You no, know, which as climbers, we know that if you're being safe, you can mitigate, you know, so much of your risk. I don't think anything else. Yeah, those are pretty much the main ones that I can think of. What about like the thinking you're, you know, dirty hippie or smell like you're stinky and, you know, kind of the old school mentality mm-hmm. of what old climbers used to, well, some still. I was going to say, <laughs> no. that's not even a misconception. I, know. I get stink. I get so stinky sometimes. I know. There's nothing like, I don't know, rolling around in the dirt on a climbing day and then you have to get in your car with all of your dirty <laughs> friends and your smelly climbing oh. too. It's then so- you're hungry, yep. so you have to stop at a restaurant, and everyone's like, "Oh, we're gross." Yep. First <laughs> time I ever went to Waco, me and my buddy went, and we had been camping, and the mm-hmm. the uh, the weather out there is crazy. Let's just put it that yeah. way. And finally, by like the last day, it was Sunday. We we're we we're supposed to go back to Austin on Monday, and he, we climbed for half the day. And he's like, "Yo, do you want to just go pack everything up and head home?" So we were stinky. We packed all of our stinky stuff into my car. And by the time we got home to Austin, nine was nine hours later, oh it stunk so bad. <laughs> I, like I hadn't smelled smelly guy smell like that since oh. like high school. You know what I mean? It was just, oh, not good. Oh, man. Oh, Sierra, this has been so great spending this time with you. Yeah, I really, thank you guys. really appreciate it. Uh, at the end of our podcast, we like to give uh, an opportunity for shout outs and that could be anything that you are representing. It can be just yourself or a cause, anything that you want to share with us today. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, big thank you to all of my sponsors, of course. So that would be Mammut, My Climb, Ascend Cairo, and Kaylin Clover. I also thought it'd be funny to do a shout out to my cats, me and Precious. I think that's going to be my new thing I add in at the end of all of my interviews. <laughs> a big emotional support, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how I'd be here without them, to be quite honest. So Between them and your husband, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, do you, can you have a better support system? I don't think so. 
All right, Sierra. Well, thank you so very much. You have an awesome, awesome day. Thank you, you guys too. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.